We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a with special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, we're good to be with you here. Uh, uh, what's today again? Today's Tuesday. Oh, my God, the days just bleed together. Days like yesterday make that happen, right? Because everything just, like, happens so fast. And you got – I know we got the news Sunday night about Albert and – then yesterday, there's like constantly updates. Is he at the game? Yep, he's at the game. Okay, the pressure's coming, and you know all that. It's it's uh it's interesting how things like that, you know, big news stories or whatever, they end up kind of messing up the way you perceive time. <laughs> at least they do to me. Uh, but now we've had another 24 hours to let the 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 pool signing sink in. We can see the impact, right? I mean. You know, if you look at the secondary market for opening day tickets, for example, the prices have jumped. I think the average price basically doubled after the Albert Albert news. So uh, you can see that. Now, that's not, by the way, that's not really, a, you know, like those things, the secondary market, that's not really something that the team sees as a big benefit, right? If you're buying them, you know, StubHub or whatever, it's not like, like the, the, the ticket was already bought and, you know, there was face value. Um, it's a, but it, but it's still an indicator that there's buzz about this. And it made me think about it because I, I, I'm fascinated by how fans can be different. And I've been thinking about this a lot the last 24 hours because so many people are just happy that Albert's back. I, I don't know how to quantify it. I would say that based on the reactions that I've, I've gotten, uh, both on Twitter, on the phone, uh, what I've seen that wasn't necessarily directed at me either, just stuff that's been thrown out there. I, it feels like it's 90% people are excited. Like people are just happy to have a chance to see Albert with Yachty and Wayno one more year um, and find a role and all that. And there is a percentage though. There are people that would prefer the kids to get a look, right? They would always prefer... Um, or, or they would prefer like if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in Albert and Corey Dickerson and those two guys combined are seven and a half million. Why wouldn't you just spend twelve million on Nelson Cruz? Like, and, and again, I understand it because you know every fan perceives these things differently. So this is not my way of taking a shot at anybody um, because you know I'm I'm kind of the guy that typically wants to see the prospects get a look. Like that's typically how my brain works. I just. I don't know what it is. I'm that way in every sport. I'm always fascinated by drafts, especially the NBA and the NFL draft because those players are going immediately into those leagues to have an impact. But I'm I'm a, I'm a prospects nerd when it comes to baseball. I've been studying them. I covered the prospects world for probably five years back in my in, in the early part of my career. 
I've always been interested in figuring out who's next, right? Like, who are the next stars? Who are the next guys that can be contributors? So I'm probably in that crew that would typically say, you know what, I'd like to see the opportunity there for the young guys. But, you know, the young guys, number one, this is, and this is the nature of most sports, and it's definitely the nature of baseball. you got to prove yourself before you're going to get the shot. And by prove yourself, I mean you've got to do things that are so impressive that the team isn't going to seek a more certain outcome. Because one thing that a veteran player has, one thing that Corey Dickerson brings you, for example, is a known track record. It's it's something that you can you can it doesn't mean he's gonna be that. He could be better or worse, but there's a lot more information about what you can expect from him than there is about what you could expect from Lars Nootbar or Juan Yepes or any, you know, Nolan Gorman, whatever. And I think it's it, to me some of the interesting questions that we had coming out of the news yesterday is right, like what is Albert's role? Well, you know, obviously whatever his role is is going to impact those young guys. When we look at what the bench is probably going to be, it's probably going to be a four-man bench. Mm-hmm. How about that? My microphone just fell. It's probably going to be a four-man bench with a catcher. Clearly, Andrew Kisner is going to be the backup catcher with an infielder, which is going to be Edmundo Sosa, with another outfield bat, that's not DHing on that day. So let's say Corey Dickerson is DHing. You're probably talking about Lars Newtbar being in that other one. And then you have a spot for a right-handed bat. Would that be Albert? Well, in this case, yes. I mean, he's got a major league contract, guys. Albert's going to be on the team. That's not an if. Corey Dickerson has a major league contract. He's going to be on the team. The question really is, we know who three guys are for the bench. Well, let's just say four. Okay, so... You know it's Dickerson, Pujols, Kisner, and Sosa with one of them in the DH role along with whatever the empty spot will be. And that extra spot that, I don't want to call it the last spot because I think it's going to be an active spot. I don't think it's going to be somebody that just sits around and does nothing. But it could be Lars Newtbar and it could be Brendan Donovan and it could be Juan Yepes, right? I think it's probably trending toward Newtbar though because when you look at the bench, It'd probably be nice to have a little left-right balance. Well, Sosa and Kisner bat right-handed, and Albert bats right-handed. And and Kisner bat, I'm sorry, Dickerson bats left-handed. So on the guys that would fit into the DH slash bench mix, it's three righties and one lefty. And it would seem to make sense to have the last guy that you're going to include on there also be a left-handed bat. But it is interesting. I think not, none of this is a sure thing. But it, it would seem to make sense that, you know, with a lineup that's heavily right-handed, you know, the regular eight position players, six of those guys are right-handed, two of them are switch hitters. So against righties, you'll have two people batting from the left side. But keep in mind, the left side is Tommy Edmonds' weaker side of the two, and it's Dylan Carlson's weaker side of the two. Both of them have been more effective against left-handed pitching as right-handed hitters so far in their major league careers. So having someone else to bring presence from the left side as, say, the starting DH 
And then another one of those on the bench would be ideal when you already have Albert and Kisner and Sosa as right-handed swinging players. In April, they could choose to go with an extra position player, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to go with the with two extra pitchers because in, in, in May on, so from May until the end of the year, you're going to have 26 guys and it's a maximum 13 pitchers. In April, there is no maximum on that. You could go with 15 pitchers if you wanted to with the 28-man roster for the first month. And I think a lot of teams are going to go that way because with the DH, you just don't need that much flexibility on the bench. You don't need five guys on the bench. Because you're not going to pinch hit three times in the game or two times in the game like you would in the old days, like last year, (laughs) with pitchers hitting. Now, with all of that said... I want to go through what I think is an interesting exercise here. On Sunday, John Moselock joins Tom Ackerman on sports on a Sunday. They do it pretty much every week during baseball season, during spring training and the regular season. And there were a couple of short clips that I thought were really interesting, considering that they happened pre-Pools, or at least maybe not before Mo knew about it. (laughs) But before the news broke, right? Because this would have been Sunday morning and the news on Albert didn't break until Sunday night. But he talked about a couple of things. He talked about a couple of the younger players and he talked about the DH. And you ever do this thing? Like to me, this was my thing with my experience with the big Lebowski. Like the first time I saw it, I liked it. I laughed at it, but I didn't love it. I'm like, it was, it was okay. And the thing is, the first time you're watching a movie, what are you doing? You're really staying along with the plot, right? You're sticking to the storyline. You're trying to stay with it, understand it, maybe even see into the future and predict what you're going to see or whatever. But when you watch something a second and third and fourth and fifth time, you're not just trying to follow the storyline. You're paying attention to the little details. You're getting that laugh that you might have missed the first time around because you're trying to follow a stupid plot. Well, that's kind of how I feel about a couple of these things, knowing what we know now and knowing what, when they were said. So let's listen to those and talk a bit more about how this is all going to play next up on KMOX. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right back in on Sports Open Line on a Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to play a little fun. Not, uh, play a game, I should say. This is, again, I don't know what to call it, but I, I find it interesting sometimes to go back and listen to things that happened before an event, but could you know, but also maybe foretell a little bit of that event. And I use the analogy, you know, last segment of watching a movie for the second, third, fourth, fifth time, and you pick up on things that you might not have picked up on the first time you watched it, or you notice... You know, think little Easter eggs that are put in there that, you know, you just again, when you're when you're watching for the first time, sometimes you're trying to keep up with the plot and all that. Well, I think I thought it was interesting. I I came across these. I mean, I listened to Tom Ackerman's email with email (laughs) interview with with uh, John Mosellock on sports on a Sunday. And obviously good as always. And Mo's always, you know, great about answering questions and getting into what's going on. But now listening to these things again earlier today, knowing now that Albert Pujols is on the team, because these came before the announcement, they added, there was an, a little added interest to me. These are really short clips, but I want to throw them in there and uh, obviously kind of riff off of those because I, I think it's a fascinating thing to you know look at what was said before the news and how it relates to that news coming across. So... Uh, Tom asked Mo about a couple of things that are relevant to the Albert conversation. One of them was talking to Mo about the young guys, about Juan Yepes and Brendan Donovan in particular, guys that had really strong seasons last year, guys that were phenomenal in the Arizona Fall League, and of course came to camp you know, with a lot to show, with a lot to prove. Let's be honest, when you're a kid that hasn't made it, you have stuff to prove. And here's what Mo said Sunday about young guys and putting together, you know, the major league roster and giving guys opportunities. And these guys have their own set of challenges, right? Because when you think about Yapez and, and even Brendan, in terms of like, like how would they get used? Will they get enough at playing up here at bats at the big league level? And, you know, right now they're getting a, a unique opportunity to get a lot of at bats here. Uh, so I think like the one reminder that I always have to give myself even is like, look, we're really only about a week in the games. And so we have to remind ourselves to be a little patient. And yes, we have to make quick decisions this year because of the condensed schedule, but let's not, let's not lose our patience. Let's try to see how things unfold here and just take advantage of the time we have remaining. But, you know, they're two exciting young players. Um, You know, I think Donovan, he's one of those guys that's almost like a Swiss army knife. He can do so much on the defensive side. And I think his offensive capabilities just continue to improve. So he's a name I think the city of St. Louis will, will come to know in, in the future. And obviously Juan Yapez is someone from an offensive standpoint we're super excited about. Um, you know, Obviously he hasn't uh, lit up spring training yet, but he's still a guy that we believe is going to hit. So that's an interesting thing. Again, this is Sunday morning on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Sunday evening, the news broke about Albert Pujols agreeing to a one-year deal. And then, of course, yesterday it was all confirmed, announced, press conference, the whole deal. 
And you listen to that, and look, there's a lot of good sense in there, right? I mean, these are players that they like. These are players that they're counting on. But again, at the same time, you've got two different tracks, two different things that you've got to pay attention to. One of those is current production. Are they going to give you what you need at the major league level? And it's really hard to know that. And it's really hard to judge based on three weeks of games. I mean, you know, Brendan Donovan has 20 at-bats in the spring. That's not a lot. That's not enough, really, to, to make a good, strong judgment on a yes or a no. But he's only three for 20. Batting a buck 50. So, you know, when you're young, you have to earn it, right? What's the, what's the, the you know, the old boxing cliche, right, is you got to beat the champ. You got to knock him out, man. If you're going to beat the champ, you got to knock him out. Well, you know, when you're a young player and, you know, you're hitting 211, you're four for 19, you're not knocking out the champ. You know, Lars Newtbar's three for 15 with five strikeouts. Uh, again, not knocking out the champ. Not knocking any of these guys, by the way. They're all talented. They're all good. But like Mo said, you're making these decisions with less information than you ever would in a normal spring training. And then then you have the other part, because that's the first part. The first part is, what do they do for the team? Are they ready to contribute to the team? The second part is, what's best for their development? And this is where I was having this conversation about Juan Yepes yesterday. You know, he he's a player who had a breakout year last year. His numbers were phenomenal at AA, at AAA, and in the Arizona Fall League. But he is a player that has only played 92 games at AAA. The rest of his time in the minor leagues it has was at AA. And truth be told, you know, Juan Yepes only has a total of about, looks like it's about 50 games at AA. So combined AA and AAA, he has less than a year's worth of games. Is it better for him to be in a part-time role at the major league level competing for at-bats against lefties with Albert Pujols, competing for at-bats against righties with Dickerson and Newtbar, or is he better off playing every day at Memphis until you have every day at-bats for him in the major league level? And those are the things that the team has to uh, figure out. Those are the things that make it, um, uh, you know, make the, that help you make decisions when it comes to, you know, adding someone like Albert Pujols who's in a spot in his career where you know he's going to get a part-time job. He's not getting a full-time job anywhere else. And I think we know that because I think if he had that, he probably would have taken it. And you have options along with Albert, like Corey Dickerson, proven players who you know you have a pretty good idea what they're going to bring to the table. That's probably a better set of roles for those guys than it is for kids. You know, look at look at Brendan Donovan as another example. Brendan Donovan had a great year last year. I mean, really good. And I mentioned the numbers of Yepes. I mean, Donovan's are similar, a little less power, but a lot of on-base skill, high batting average. As Mo said in the interview with Tom, plays a ton of positions. You could use him everywhere. But he doesn't have very much experience at the upper levels of the minors. And is he better off? Is he better? Is his development going to be better if he's playing every day 
or if he's playing a utility infield role where he starts maybe a game a week or two games a week. Now, it's to me, Newt Barr is in an interesting spot in that he's kind of in between. We've seen him more at the major league level. The, the Cardinals really aren't looking for a future full-time outfielder right now. I mean, they've got three guys that are their full-time outfielders. And, you know, he's young, he's only 24, but maybe he does make more sense in that part-time role because he can take the left-handed at-bats at DH if he's if he's earning those at-bats. Speaking of the DH, this is another topic that Mo expanded on. Again, keep in mind, that answer we just heard there and this answer you're hearing here was before the Pujols news, which gives us, I think, a little insight as to why Albert was brought back. Here's Mo with Tom on Sunday talking about the DH. Well, your hope is is that they can play in the field, and we think we accomplished that with, obviously, Corey. I mean, the other part of this is is, is the nice thing about having a DH is, you know, obviously then you can have somebody like a, a Nolan or a Goldie take a day off, still be in the lineup, but not have to play in the field. And so it just, you know, obviously the DH just gives you a lot more plug-and-play opportunities with your players and – Hopefully we can take advantage of that to to get the most out of players, especially in a truncated camp where, you know, once we start the season trying to protect the athlete, um, given that we didn't have a normal training program, you know, hopefully we can uh, take advantage of that. And, and clearly having a DH in the future is something that, you know, obviously will change our strategy, how we think about uh, development on that. But in the short term, it definitely, I think, gives us some some protection to our everyday lineup. So again, you know, again, when you listen to these, knowing that they were before the news broke on Pujols, it kind of informs us on their decision-making process here. Yeah, you know what? Bringing in Albert sold a lot of tickets already, and it will sell more. But it's also, a, 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 you know, I don't want to call it an insurance policy, but it's a play for the for what is more known, and what we know is that in the last two full seasons, 2019 and 2021, Albert had success against left-handed pitching. What we know is that Corey Dickerson has been a good major league hitter for a good while now and has handled right-handed hitting and right-handed pitching really well. So do you bet on those guys or do you bet on the guys that haven't done it yet? You know what I said earlier. My position is I like the prospects. I like to give them a chance. But you can't argue with the logic especially when you're saying that guys, when you're say, seeing, I should say, guys like Donovan, guys like Yepes, who are still young, who still have a lot of time, and whose development would probably be better playing every day, facing right-handers and left-handers. And by the way, getting defensive work. I don't know if you've seen much of the spring, but Yepes is a little rough at first base. <laughs> it's not exactly smooth. And he's going to need some defensive work, too, if he's going to be a potential you know, regular player in the big leagues down the road. All right, we've got more coming your way on baseball side of things. I want to talk a bit more about the, the offense next up. We're going to shift gears and talk pitching later on. Uh, we're going to talk blues a little bit later on, even a little bit of football later on. But up next, again, realistic expectations from the Cardinals offense for this year. Now that we kind of have, I think, a better picture of what the DH spot looks like, we'll dig into that here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the D.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
All right, so let's talk a bit more about the offense. Now that we have a better idea of what the DH is going to look like, because what we were doing before was kind of like, all right, so you got Dickerson as a good option, veteran option, in case the kids don't run with it. Um, and I think, you know, I wouldn't write off Newt Bar at all just yet. I mean, I, th- I think he's still got a chance to be a contributor in all of this. But if I'm reading it correctly, and again, I might not be, <laughs> but if I'm reading it correctly, it sure seems like we're looking at a potential platoon with Dickerson and Pujols at the beginning of the year. You know, obviously Dickerson getting most of the at-bats against righties, Albert getting them against lefties, and then I would assume some opportunities against righties, and then we assess from there how it goes. So what what do we expect from the offense? You know, we talked a lot about this offense last year. I would tell you that the concern over the offense last year was misplaced. I don't think the offense was actually a problem. What I do think is that the Cardinals have a ballpark, I don't want to say problem, just a ballpark split that doesn't work from Bush Stadium is a pitcher's ballpark. It holds back offensive numbers. It just does. It does it for visiting teams. It does it for the Cardinals. And if you look at, you know, the Cardinals road numbers last year, they were perfectly good. They had no problem scoring runs on the road. So why would we think that that is a problem then? And by the way, the the offense in the second half last year was much stronger, largely because you had the full lineup out there. You had Bader and O'Neill in the lineup at the same time. The infield was solid. You know, obviously Carlson was there, but I mean, like, once they had the lineup that they wanted, it was productive. Now, was it? It wasn't the Astros. It wasn't the Yankees. Although, actually, it kind of was the Yankees um, because they struck out too much and had their own issues. But it, you know, sure, it wasn't one of the super elite offenses. But it was better than what you would think, just looking at the basic numbers for the whole year. So, when you look at the whole year, the Cardinals were a little bit above average. So, if you look at something like OPS plus, it's not complicated. It's just a it's a it's a measurement against the league average, right? So in that measurement, the Cardinals were above major league average. And by the way, better than the Yankees. Better offense than the Yankees last year. Using that stat neutral or I'm sorry, that neutralizing stat that accounts for home and road splits and league averages and all of that stuff. So looking at OPS plus, 4, 6, 8, 10. I know it's great to count there. Cardinals ranked 12th in Major League Baseball in OPS plus last year. Actually 11th because they were tied with the Padres. So everybody's favorite sexy team, the Padres, and the big old Bronx Bomber Yankees. Tigers were, I mean, the Cardinals were that good. They were just a hair behind the Dodgers. So again, the Dodgers offense last year was 103 OPS plus. That means basically 3% better than average. The Cardinals were 1% better than average. So there wasn't a huge difference. And the reason that something like OPS Plus looks so good is that it accounts for the ballpark. It adjusts for your ballpark and for all of the ballparks that you play in. The idea here with something like OPS Plus 
is to neutralize all of those advantages and disadvantages as if every team played on the same field. That's what that does. So, yeah, the Yankees hit a lot more home runs. Sure, the Dodgers, yeah, the Dodgers scored more runs. And they hit more home runs and all that. They had a better slug, better better OPS. But when you when you make it relative, in other words, if the Dodgers had played their games in all of the same ballparks that the Cardinals did, their numbers are pretty close. That's what these neutralized numbers tell you. So you were tied for 11th in Major League Baseball in a, in a category that adjusts for the ballparks you play in. So I know that's not the same, right? It's a lot easier to look at batting average and home runs and all that. But, you know, we, we understand so much more about all of these things now and we can measure them more. And it's important to understand that. So what's a fair expectation for this year's offense? Because look, everybody in the National League has a DH now. Everybody does, right? Well, let's talk about how the National League has gone about putting together their DH positions. So who's the DH for the Chicago Cubs? Do do we even know? I mean, yeah, we know. I mean, but and you know what? It sounds like they're going to be using a a system similar to what the Cardinals are talking about, and that it may not be just one person. Like as of right now, I'm looking at Fangraphs roster resource, and they list Rafael Ortega as their DH. But it's probably not going to be one dude. It'll be the outfielders, you know, guys like Seiya Suzuki or Jason Hayward or or Ortega, or maybe it's going to be Frank Schwindel. Maybe it's Patrick Wisdom sometimes, but they don't have, and you know what? Honestly, the guy that's probably going to get a lot of that time is Clint Frazier. A guy that really has had physical problems and struggled with the Yankees in recent years, but he's, he's a bit of a sleeper. I'm kind of interested in him this year, but you see the Cubs don't have the big bad DH, right? The Reds certainly don't. They've traded off all their best players or a lot of their best players. Colin Moran is projected as their DH this year. And look, he's fine. You know, there were fans that wanted him in St. Louis. He's fine, but he's not hes not a dude. He's not a guy you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy changes everything. I mean, I'd say Corey Dickerson is every bit as good of opportunity, as, as good a player as Colin Moran is. Who's the DH for the Milwaukee Brewers? I mean, according to roster resource, it's Andrew McCutcheon. But again, it won't be one guy. It's going to be McCutcheon. It's going to maybe be Keston Hira. It might be Hira at first base and Rowdy Tellez at DH. But the point is, the Brewers don't have that big, bad DH. They didn't go out and spend on all that. And, you know, look, Andrew McCutcheon isn't the player that he used to be. He's not terrible by any means, but I mean, He's not, he's not, if he's your DH or whatever, you're not winning the division because of that. It's not an over the top ad. And I'm not even going to look at the Pirates DH because it doesn't matter. The point is, in your division, nobody has gained ground on you because of what they did at designated hitter. So you're on a neutral level, you're on a level playing field with your divisional opponents.
I just say this, if the offense can stay healthy, and I'll follow up a little bit more on this because there are some teams in the National League that did go big at DH. Dodgers, shocking. But they didn't necessarily go big at DH. They just went big, period, and they'll just rotate guys through it. But this lineup should be very solid. And if you're if you're looking at the right advanced numbers, I think we can project them to be somewhere in the in the in the lower part of the top half of the league. And by the way, that was in all of baseball, 11th in all of baseball with OPS plus adjusting for ballpark and all of that stuff. We got more offensive talk next on KMOX. All right, so just a few more minutes. Uh, again, we'll do the offense here. I want to talk a little more pitching coming up after the news. I also want to talk more about the Blues. We didn't get to talk about this last night because it hadn't happened by the time the show ended. But Vlad Tarasenko scored uh, an empty netter last night that gave him 500 points in his career. Um, so he's he's the only the fifth player to get 500 or more points in a Blues uniform. That's pretty cool. So we're going to talk a bit about him, but also about the team. Because it's been weird. Like, early in the year, remember that time early in the year, things were really bad, and you're like, oh, they're not looking very good. And then they had that nice long run where it's like, okay, they're one of the best teams in the West. And now they're back to the whole, eh, it's not very good. <laughs> and it's kind of odd. Now, what really matters, as we know in the NHL, is playing at your best when the postseason starts. But, you know, we're getting to a point here Playoffs are not a sure thing, and they would not, I would not have thought that three weeks ago. I want to get to that a little bit later on, as well as a rule change in the NFL that we'll probably touch on at some point. Uh, finishing up on the offensive side. Because again, I, I do think that there's been maybe too much made about offensive questions. Like, you know, I had a question yesterday on Twitter. Somebody was asking me, like, well, you know, the, Albert doesn't fill all the holes in the lineup. I'm like, well, you don't really have any holes. I mean, yeah, okay, you had the DH as a new job, and that that would appear to be filled by the combination of Dickerson and Pujols at the very worst, or Newt Barr if he swings. And keep in mind, you know, whatever it looks like early, whoever hits will play. That's kind of the DH, what the DH is going to be. If you hit, you're gonna they're going to find a way to get you in. And, you know, this is going to be a team, though, that probably doesn't need elite production there. This is a team that has some flexibility with Paul DeYoung, for example. They're not going to need him to be an elite hitter, at least not if everybody else is healthy. So you got a little time there. Plus, I think you have a great insurance policy in Edmundo Sosa, who looked like a really good player last year. There's time to sort some of that out. And I don't think there's a huge gap between the Cardinals and, say, Milwaukee. You look at what the Cardinals went through last year. With the bull, the starting rotation being a complete mess the entire year. I mean, other than Adam Wainwright, the rotation was chaos. And you finished five games behind Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee had their own problems, right? I mean, they Christian Yelich wasn't Christian Yelich, but, you know, is he going to be Christian Yelich again? I, I mean, for, as a baseball fan, I hope so because I hate seeing good players, you know, have injuries that diminish their career. But I'm not that worried about this. I am. I'm more 
interested, maybe even worried about the rotation and the bullpen and not so much about the talent. I think there's plenty of that. What about, you know, people staying healthy and about guys that are going to have to carry more of a load than you might want them to? That's what I want to touch on when we come back after the news on KMOX. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.